So, we've been in a series of uh, talks where I've been reviewing different approaches to developing paths to liberation from suffering. And there's quite a number of them in the Buddhist canon. And if you've missed the previous talks, don't worry about it. They're all going to wind up online. And there's so many available. And uh, you can read all about them. Uh, and there's many, many talks about uh, insight practice, for example, that I uh, discussed and will discuss some other variations of. And there was talks on right effort. But tonight is the, in a way, sort of the foundation of Buddhist practice, and actually the foundation of Hindu practice as well. It's the practice of um, concentration. And uh, concentration, or samadhi, is actually the, uh, in essence, the founding quality of all mental development, or bhavana without being able to settle the mind and keep awareness on an object, none of the other paths or practices are really available to us. Whether we practice in the school of the Kamatahana, which is founded on right effort, or we practice in the schools of Vipassana, which are uh, insight schools, all of the masters in those schools, and I've studied with a lot of them, they all maintain that before we can truly develop either right effort or insight, awareness, uh, we have to be able to develop concentration, which is essentially the uh, ability to keep the mind aware of an object uh, that's uh, any object we choose. And um, now this brings up very often some misunderstanding. The Buddha had the words uh, samadhi, which meant concentration. And people assume that concentration means keeping your awareness on, say, the breath, or the body, or the metaphrases. And what that means is we assume that, well, I can't be aware of anything else. If I'm aware of anything else, then I'm doing something wrong. Uh, in fact, if we were only aware of the breath or only aware of uh, body states, then we would be in a state of what's known as jhana, and we'd be practicing something different. It would be called akagata which means single-pointed mind focused on one thing and one thing only. So that's an extremely rarefied state. And the practice tonight leads to that state, but it's a very, very... Uh, uh, it's a practice that takes a while to get to a place where your mind can really become so concentrated that you're not in any way aware of anything else that's going on. So, um, as the great meditation masters have noted from Ajahn Mun and Manindo and um, Mahabua and uh, uh, Buddha Dasa, uh, Upandita, the, the goal is to simply have in concentration, to develop the skill, just have enough awareness so that you can 
maintain uh, this object in your awareness while you can also be aware of other things. So, for example, um, if it's the breath, uh, you could simply be aware of whether you're breathing in or breathing out. And you could also be aware of other sounds going on in the room. You could also be aware of the heat of the body. You could be aware of there's thoughts passing through the mind. You don't have to get rid of any of those other qualities. People make the common mistake of thinking that uh, concentration, the development of it, requires that they have to get rid of everything else that's going on. And that's not the case. So long as you are aware of, with the breath, for example, when we start out, aware of when you're breathing in and when you're breathing out. Now, if we were doing walking meditation, the request would be for you to know when you were walking on your left foot and when you were walking on your right foot. But you could also have a mind where you had in your... You could be humming a Beyonce song. Sorry, that's... I don't know where that came from, but you could be, theoretically. Uh, you could be uh, picturing, uh, a, you know, uh, a memory. You could have something else going on. But so long as you knew when you were on your left foot, when you are on the right foot, whether walking felt basically easy, you would be fulfilling the uh, quality of developing concentration. Now this is important because when we try to squeeze the object that we're developing awareness of too tightly, what happens is the mind revolts and just looks for something else. We're so unused to paying attention to the breath, to body states, to reflections of times of peace, that when we do try to focus exclusively on these things, the mind can't deal with it. So it's actually so much easier to develop concentration, to develop a still mind, if you don't try to make the object exclusively of awareness, just part of your awareness. So I hope that all makes sense. We're not trying to so much get rid of is to simply make sure that one object is always in awareness. Now the other things that are happening will rise and pass. The more you keep the breath comfortably in your mind, different things, as we'll see, will rise and pass. And that's very much a part of this practice. Uh, you can use the Buddha taught in the Pali Canon. Uh, there's a saying that he taught 40 different objects that you can use for meditation. So it doesn't have to be the breath. You can reflect on times of peace as an object of meditation. That's called santi nupasati. You could reflect on somebody who's been really kind to you, who you feel close with. In psychology, they call that titrating. In Buddhism, it's called uh, devanusati, reflections on somebody who's been angelic. You could reflect on times that you've been very generous and kind to other people, kaganusati. You could reflect on metaphrases, metanusati, metabolana practice. All of these count. So you're in no way obligated when you're developing uh, concentration to uh, use the breath. Lots of people tell me they find, due to a number of reasons, the body has constant pain. 
Sometimes people have had traumatic events in life where focusing in on the body is extremely uh, unpleasant. Some people have issues around the body. And so if you find that's the case, no worries. Really don't feel that you have to use the breath and the body. You can use any of these reflections that I mentioned, and there's many, many more. I'll be happy to tell you of them, because I have them all in memory. That's one of the things you have to do to, uh, to teach is know a lot of these lists. So, um, so there's three qualities at the very beginning of concentration we want to develop and develop well. The first quality is sustained awareness, which, I, as I said, is very basically having just enough awareness attuned to either the breath or a phrase or an image. It could be an image of a place you were really peaceful. Uh, it, could be a, um, it could be even people work sometimes with sounds. So maintain that object in your awareness and have just enough attention to it that it doesn't drift away, but not so much that you're creating stress and you're, you're, you're trying to be too attentive to it. As the Buddha said, this is a matter of tuning, like you're tuning an instrument. You have to find, and the, the Buddha referred to this as a balancing act, knowing when to put effort in, knowing when to relax. The second quality is one of Nekama, which means releasing, and it simply means when your mind's been caught up by something, something somebody's done that's been really irritating, a frightening possibility, uh, something that you're really sad about, a memory, uh, a physical sensation that pulls you away from the breath. It could be anything, a loud noise. The key is not to get bent out of shape, or add any agitation, or linger and uh, with any sense of why is, is this happening, what's wrong with me as a meditator. The key of Nakama is to very gently bring the mind back, again and again, without adding any self-judgment. If you're going to add anything, make Nakama, the ability to let go of diversions and things that want your attention, just let them go with as much gentleness, patience, and calmness as you can. Feel good about your practice. Try always to use the carrot with yourself. Never ever use the stick. The third quality is the quality of gladdening, which means not only do we stay with an object, but we also learn how to turn that object into something that brings ease. To the body and mind. If I'm working with the breath, I can, as we'll use in the meditation I'm going to lead you through, I can use the breath to first relax the body and then to relax the mind. So I'm using that object as a way to bring ease and peace and gladden my overall state of being. If we were using reflections of times of peace, we might notice that while we're holding a time of when we were on a beach and it was a beautiful day, and perhaps that will work to settle the mind, but then we might find that, well, it's making my body a little bit relaxed, but my mind is still kind of jumpy and agitated, so we might change that image to a time when we were doing something 
with someone that we love, some, a, an image that's a little bit more involving, that will pull in the mind a little bit more and unify it. So you're not limited to any, uh, to, uh, if you're using reflection, you can tinker with it. If we're working with the breath, as we'll see, we can change the rhythm of the breath. If we're working with walking meditation, we could change the pace that we were walking with. We could hold the left foot longer and the right foot shorter, or vice versa. So a lot of gladdening involves a spirit of what's known as dhamma-vikaya, or investigation, experimenting. Don't be a passenger. Investigate how you can use any of these objects to bring you peace. The ultimate goal of a pure concentration practice is the development of tranquility, samatha, and the jhanas, which is the really refined states of concentration that lead to enlightenment. A lot of people use the first stage of concentration meditations to get to a place where they can then do a classic vipassana practice and develop insight. That's a very worthy practice. In fact, I think that's one of the more worthy practices. And when we lead retreats, as I've led many vipassana retreats, we always start out the first couple of days developing concentration, and then we move on to allowing the mind to observe the impermanent wane and flux of sensations that arise and pass. So you can do that. In tonight's meditation, the anapanasati, which means mindfulness of the breath, ana means in-breath, pana means out-breath, it's the oldest med uh, meditation known in the Buddhist practice. It dates back, uh, in terms of the scholarly research of the language, and it is the first meditation It was probably in existence in one shape or form before the Buddha. It probably goes back to the beginning of yogic practice. But the Buddha refined it. And he refined it in such a way that this concentration practice then at the very end goes into a Vipassana-like development of insight. So you can take the Anapanasati and use it to go all the way, not just to develop tranquility in your life, peace of mind, and a mind that's settled, but you can also develop wisdom into the nature of all the uh, phenomena that arises in the mind. So this one meditation, the Buddha said, was enough. It was uh, enough for us all. There are some criticisms of pure concentration practice. When people do concentration without vipassana, a lot of teachers believe that it leads to a kind of avoidance because if we're constantly focusing on an object, sometimes people will use it to avoid uh, feeling difficult feelings. They might feel really hurt or uh, uh, sad or they might have traumatic memories that need acknowledgement. And this is, this is a very real possibility. So if we don't remember to add an insight portion of our concentration practice, uh, it can be a tool of avoidance. People I have met 
many long-term practitioners who come from uh, a purely concentrated background who did use it uh, as a way to not deal with certain, uh, let's just say, really, really difficult content. Uh, this is why I'm in favor of always developing all the meditative tools, Vipassana, right effort, and concentration. Tonight's practice will use all three. So you will learn all three in this meditation. It, it, the Buddha said it moves from the most basic form of concentration all the way to his special edition at the end, which is where you, you will develop insight. Um, a couple of final notes. As you'll know, this meditation, or if you're following along while I lead it, this meditation has four parts. It starts out with just awareness of the body, and then it becomes increasingly aware of gut feelings and intuitions that we have, intuitional states in the body. Then it moves to the moods and energy levels that the mind is in, whether we're tired or anxious. And then finally, it becomes aware of thoughts. So this breath meditation takes in awareness of what's known all the four foundations. It's, in essence, a variation of the classical four foundations of mindfulness. So once again, everything is available here. Also available in this meditation is a very, very important list of the Buddhists called the seven factors. These are all the factors you need to develop liberation in your life. He developed, like the Buddha loved his lists, and he had a list for everything. And one of his most important lists was the, this list. And it's basically a list that comprises tools that you need to develop energy when you're feeling sluggish, like the ability to investigate why am I feeling tired and deep down, what kind of breath or what kind of uh, practice would energize the body. It's the ability to have put more effort in. It's also going to develop tools that will allow you to calm the mind and develop tranquility by focusing the mind, settling the mind, gladdening the mind. And finally, it demands of us always to have mindfulness, which means remembering what we're supposed to be paying attention to. This is to say that all of the important qualities that we are looking for in a spiritual practice can be found in this meditation. It's a beautiful one. Um, I don't recommend only doing one type of meditation. I, I recommend doing all and learning them all and see which resonates for you. But tonight I'm going to lead you on the journey that is the Anapanasati, 2,500 years old, from basic awareness of the breath to the states you need for liberation. So, I hope that's a good sell for it. Let's close our eyes. And just find a really comfortable position.
Now, while I'm going to lead this meditation as if it's based, we're all observing the breath, you can substitute a number of different objects, and occasionally I'll mention those. Two or three of the most popular, you could instead use metta, if you'd like, the phrase, may I find true peace, may I live with ease. May all beings find true peace and live with ease. So you could just simply maintain that series of mental phrases repeating in the mind. You could use Santinusati, which is a reflections of times of peace in your life. You could use awareness of the body. Now, for instance, if you don't feel comfortable observing the breath, but you do feel comfortable observing perhaps just the feeling around the eyes, or the feeling of the hands, the palms of the hands, any area of the body can be a foundation of uh, this meditation. You can reflect on times you've been skillful or times that people have treated you kindly and been accepting. So whatever object feels resonant. But part of the meditation is to try and stay with that object. So once you've picked one, see if you can use it. If you really find that after a while you try to work with one, it's not working and you'd like to change back, that's fine. But see if you can really maintain it. So what I'd like you to do is to become aware of the breath in the body and simply knowing when you're breathing in and when you're breathing out. Now remember you don't have to only have awareness of this, just enough to know when you're breathing in and when you're breathing out. For people who are new to this practice, it's very useful to count the exhalations from 1 to 10, from 10 to 1. If you were going to move on to a Vipassana meditation or another meditation, it's best to be able to count from 1 to 10 and from 10 to 1 at least 6 or 7 times without being too pulled away before moving on. So see if you can just know when you're breathing in and know when you're breathing out and count those exhalations from 1 to 10 and from 10 to 1 if you'd like.
So while we're holding awareness on the breath, we hear the sounds of music in the background, the sounds of the heater, and it's all okay. If you drop awareness of the breath, just bring it back. Just finding the right amount. And if you're working with meta phrases, just repeat the meta phrases. You can even count them. Or maintain the visualization of a time of heat. Now begin to see if you can breathe in such a way that you become aware of the entire body while you're breathing and use the breath as a way to relax the body. You can experiment with making the breath deep or shallow. the in-breath full and complete, or the out-breath very long and smooth, which often settles. You can feel the breath in the front of the body, feel it in the back. One method is to just feel the breath entering as if it entered through the eyes and soften the muscles around the eyes.
now arising and passing are very subtle states of gut feelings, emotional feelings. You might notice at times if you're feeling uncomfortable, you might notice it in the shoulders becoming a little tight, the stomach contracting. Or you might notice uh, the forehead becoming tight. You also might notice places of, and times of ease where you unconsciously relax and settle into a moment. Perhaps the shoulders relax. Perhaps the jaw unclenches. So using the breath, go around the body and relax all of these areas that you hold tension in life. If you find a place of ease, see if you can spread it. For instance, if you notice that the palms of the hands feel very comfortable, see if with each out-breath you can spread that ease. If you notice, on the other hand, that the stomach feels tight, see if you can breathe in and soften. Or you might want to stay with the eyes and simply soften around the eyes, releasing the muscles, and see how good you can feel. How good can you feel?
So at this point, you probably become aware of the type of mind that's been observing the breath. The mind might have been, at times, sleepy. A kind of dimming out, nodding. Or the mind might be jumpy, not settled, not wanting to stay with the breath. The mind can sometimes feel a little sluggish and uninspired and just settle on a single thought that's different. The mind sometimes just gets caught up in hindrances. I can't do this. I don't. At the point of developing concentration of the breath. So see if you can now use the breath as a way to bring some ease and joy to the mind, or a state of lightness to the mind, a state of awareness. If the mind's been jumpy, focus again on really extending the out-breaths. And just note how each different breath affects the mind's ability to stay with and be comfortable watching the breath. If you feel tired, take really full deep breaths and hold the in-breath. And release the breath quickly. A full deep in-breath and hold. And release the breath quickly. Can you change how wide of an area of the body you're observing? Sometimes if we're observing a very small area of the body breathing, it's easy to pull away, but if we're observing the entire chest and stomach, so investigate. See what, how each breath can change the mind that observes.
Now we're about to enter the fourth and final stage. And this is the stage that develops insight as well as tranquility. So gently loosen the awareness of the breath that you're just aware enough of when you're breathing in and breathing out. And hopefully you've developed some ease in the body and mind in the last two stages. But right now, what we'd like to do is, while keeping the breath in mind, see what other kinds of thoughts, moods, images, anything that wants to pass through. Begin to note first which thoughts want to pull you away from the breath, and which thoughts make it easier to focus on the breath. So a thought of what I'm going to do next week, that might pull you away. Or the thought of perhaps I should change the area of where I'm observing the breath. Maybe I should be gentler with myself when I lose track of it. Maybe I can make a game of observing the breath, see how far I can ride the out-breath down the body like I'm surfing away. Those breaths will help, those thoughts will help you stay with the breath. But just observe thoughts, see which ones are helpful, which ones are unskillful for the task at hand.
at this point you can let go of observing the breaths in terms of, I mean, the thoughts in terms of their usefulness, and instead just note all the stuff that passes through awareness, the thoughts, and perceptions, emotions, moods, just in terms of the impermanence. Holding the breath, just enough of the breath in mind that you have something grounding you in the present, but noting all of the other things that arise and pass. And when we have enough of the breath in mind, everything passes. Enough of the breath in mind, no thought repeats for too long. Enough of the breath in mind. Each mood, each memory, everything arises and everything passes. So the very final instruction of Anapanasati is residing with the breath. 
develop equanimity towards all the other phenomena that's arising in Vyasana. So right now, we might hear the sounds of the guitar, the sounds of the fan. We might be sleepy or we might be waiting for the meditation to end. Whatever state we're in, we just find a way to be okay with it all. And simply using the breath as a way to keep the mind from being pulled in to an argument with anything. Using the breath to keep again and again detaching the mind from getting over-involved, just allowing things to arise and pass, knowing that every phenomena is impermanent. Every mind state is impermanent. Every emotional state is impermanent. We don't have to resist anything. So very gradually prepare the mind for the time when we allow insight and we rebalance awareness so that we can take in the world around us while still hopefully maintaining some contact with all the states that we've developed internally.
often when sight flows into the mind, it pulls out all the awareness of the body and the breath. So see if you can maintain that. And whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes.